There's something creeping curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to this special edition of TGP Nominal Extra. Well, I guess you can call it TGP Nominal Extra Extra. I'm having to fly solo on this episode and it's very difficult for me to do because I'm so used to bouncing off of someone. So what have we got in store for you in this episode? I don't know if you remember in the main show last month, we mentioned that I had some extra content from the chat that I had with Julie Fernandez. We were talking about her career and things like that last time. Now we're going to be talking a little bit more about her campaigning for disability rights and other things like that. Also, later on in the show, we'll be talking a little bit about an event that TGP Nominal were very proud to be part of that took place at the weekend just gone. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back... Let's get on with the main part of the show. Have you ever wanted to get far, far away from it all? To a planet where no one will ever find you? Well, that place is closer than you think. Welcome to Earth's wild Atlantic way in Ireland. A welcoming pre-hyperdrive society. Friendly indigenous wildlife. And more than a few fun activities to train your apprentice. Earth's Wild Atlantic Way. Shooting location of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Escape the dark side along Earth's Wild Atlantic Way. It's the perfect place to get away from it all. Uh-oh, nicotine. I'd better move fast. Up, up and away! Go on, kid, go on. Easy, Superman! Superman, is it hard to give up smoking, or is it easy like nicotine says? You no good windbag, nicotine. No, no, Superman. Leave me one. Please, I need one. <laughs> yes, that's how hard it is, and that's why I never say yes to a cigarette. This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to this special edition of TGP Nominal Extra. Now, as I mentioned, we had some extra content left over from the chat that we had with Julie Fernandez. So, without further ado, or ado, let's get on with the main part of the show. One of my other jobs is I'm Project Development Manager for Disability Peterborough, which is a charitable organisation that's been going for over 30 years that helps disabled people in lots and lots of different ways. And, you know, working for Disability Peterborough has been amazing, working so directly with disabled people and supporting them. That's the brilliant thing about it. The difficult thing is knowing that you're supporting people who are having to deal with a DWP that's, in my opinion, in many of our opinions, badly run, badly managed and organised, you know, a health system. And it's it's difficult. But, you know, us doing what we do at Disability Peterborough, you doing what you do, the guys that feel the false day, the more we all come together and support each other, 
the better it will be, I think. It certainly will be. And it it just takes a a little bit of compassion and a little bit of empathy and just being able to listen and and take things in rather than just putting this this wall up and saying, well, that's not right, this is not going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Just listen to people. Absolutely. Because everyone just wants to be listened to, whether they're disabled or not. If they have a problem, if they have an issue, they want to be listened to and supported. Yeah. There's not enough empathy and compassion in the world at the moment. It's all about the bottom dollar. Yeah, it's a strange place to be at the moment, the world. It's... Um different you know I'm 44 years old and I remember we had one telephone growing up which was in the hallway which was the old-fashioned one where you had a circular dial and you know internet didn't exist it's amazing the changes and technology has been a wonderful wonderful thing for so especially for disabled people on so many levels but it's also caused a lot of problems and I think there's a lot of lonely frustrated people out there yeah and, and they're exhausted, you know, we're all working long hours or trying to find a job, you know, everything's going up but wages, the governments don't ever seem to listen to the people, our, our tax money's being spent in ways that, you it know, the vast be. majority of, think, of us think is inappropriate. Yeah. It's a tough old world out there. And, yeah, it, it just needs a few people to say, look, it's OK, it's OK to feel in a certain way because there's a lot more people out there than you think you're not alone exactly united we stand that's what i say do you think the problem is i think humanity people individuals have forgotten the power that they wield so for example there are that many disabled people in the uk that if we just and only realised how much power we had, there's enough of us that could vote just us, disabled people, and then by extension our family, we could vote a party in and we could vote a party out. But the problem is we are reliant on that. So many disabled people who, for example, don't work and rely on benefits are too scared to rock the boat because they need that 15 minutes of care in the morning. Mm and the evening but but actually we the people need to take back our own power what we the disabled community have been saying for so long is you don't employ enough disabled people i.e dwp and the government you don't take notice of disabled people we know what we need and we know what we're talking about you need to lead by example why shouldn't the minister for disabilities or the minister for disabled children by rights really should be a disabled person because what better understanding but unfortunately that doesn't happen yeah Um, I think after apartheid, South Africa had the right idea when they started forming their government is they actually got people from the different parties who were the best at what they did to form the government. So here, how they should have done it is that, right, okay, Minister for the Environment should be from the Green Party. (laughs) That that would make perfect sense. Yeah, but that's far too logical. I mean, there's a lot of (laughs) European, Scandinavian countries like that, and it makes absolute sense. I mean, why would you have a Minister for Sport who knows nothing about sport? You know, why would you have a Minister for Commerce that has never owned a business and never worked in a business? You know, British politics is 
is totally illogical. Mm-hmm. I think it's far too um, London head office, so to speak, centric. I think they don't trust local people enough. And I think it needs to be smaller and controlled more by the people because what's needed in Leeds might be what's different to Belfast that might be different to yeah. Kent, for example. Yeah, every and county is different. Why should the head office, i.e. Westminster, rule the roost when they know very little about the day-to-day environment and needs a pit? And you need to trust people more. The situation for disabled people as a minority group is quite different to other minority groups. So for black people, for gay people, for women, the LGBT community. Um, In that, uh, with disability, it's a scary thing. And most people don't want to offend a disabled person. In all honesty, in my experience, most people are worried and and concerned about offending me. Um, For example, I'm a wheelchair user, and people often struggle to know whether they should bend down when they talk to me. You know, will that be patronising? Will I understand her? There's a whole thought process by non-disabled people towards disabled people. So, you know, just because of our disabilities we are assumed to be not intelligent not able to work not wanting to go out and about and and socialize etc so we're seen as lesser in lots of different ways and for example and i'm not saying it's perfect for any minority group but if you look at the history of the black movement the gay movement the women's movement it's been going a lot longer than the disability movement and it's by no means perfect but it is getting better we are seeing so many more people in the media industry from that background and so for example with black people Idris Elba did a good interview not that long ago where he was saying you know initially in his career he was on crime watch and all of these types of programs yeah. and and it's and it's progressed from there um, and it and it does naturally but it's a long time coming um, for disabled people but again you know if you're black for example that doesn't prevent you from walking up the stairs to get into the front door of the studios whereas if you're a wheelchair user you've got that barrier as well as the barrier that says oh well you're going to have to it's no point employing a disabled actor because you know it's not it's going to cost a lot of money she's she, they're not going to be there on time because they're not going to be well and they're going to have to take time off for work so it's a real hard nut to crack it's a silly thing to to have to think about, to be honest, because it's not disabled rights. You just want to be treated the same as everybody else. And it's an easy thing to do Correct. in the whole scope of things. Yes, you will have to make some changes, but you would do if uh, you, you had any other situation. I mean, if you look at a set builder um, and a designer's come up with something and it's not going to work, it's got to be changed. So what's the difference with just making a few allowances... For, for someone who's... I don't like using the word disabled. I just... I like using the, the, the term able differently. There's always it's ways around. It's also around. a bit of a conundrum as well because have you heard about the something called the Purple Pound? Yes. For those that don't know, the Purple Pound is the value of disabled people's money. So we have the Pink Pound, the Grey Pound, yeah. and the Purple Pound is disabled people's money. So, for example, in the UK, the collective monies of every family in the UK that has a disabled person, all that family's money. So if you calculate all the families in the UK that have disabled person, all their money altogether per annum is worth £249 billion. Wow. 
billion. Um, it is more expensive to be disabled for all sorts of reasons because the equipment is expensive because you have to maybe wash your clothes more regularly, you need to employ carers, mm-hmm. you need to employ specialist equipment. So it costs five seven five to six hundred pounds a month extra on top of rent and mortgage, you know, and all those things. But disabled people still need to dress themselves, feed themselves, socialise, you know, get on with life. And they do have money to spend. So what we're trying to do is educate business and, you know, the media industry to understand that making your self accessible as a business by investing in disabled people should be no different in your eyes as a business to investing in a new computer system or a bigger office, because as a business, why wouldn't you want to tap into £249 billion? And that's the UK. Worldwide, the collective spending power of disabled people and their families is $1.3 trillion, which is going to raise to $1.6 trillion in 2020. So basically, we're a massive untapped market. But society, again, doesn't see us as having any value or worth. So again, I say <laughs> it's a hard nut to crack. Yeah. And how do you think the UK is compared with other countries with dealing with disabled issues? Do you know what? We probably sit right bang in the middle. Like lots of things like this in life, you can have one extreme to the other. So, for example, if you were living in India or Africa, Afghanistan, any of these types of countries, being disabled is immensely immensely difficult for all the reasons that you can imagine not just the lack of funding but also the lack of understanding so for example in lots of places in Africa and India disabled people are treated as something negative and are shunned and can and can be killed for it as well so you have that extreme but then you can go to the other like uh, some of the Scandinavian countries um some parts of America that are excellent in the way that they integrate disability into the normal lifestyle. We sit right bang in the middle, to be honest with you. We are very lucky that we live in a, a, in a country that has an NHS system and a benefit system and a support system. The problem is it's really badly run. The government's not doing well with it. We've had years of austerity and it's having a massive effect on disabled people's quality of life here in the UK in a really negative way. So we're lucky in one half and really not so lucky in the other. And do you think that things like having the Paralympics in the UK has actually made things a little bit better for not necessarily of what's been actually done, but uh, making people aware of people's situations? Do you know, strangely, it's had a very positive and a very negative reaction. From a very positive one, people, especially other disabled people, find it amazing to see because like we all know, like society have always told us, when you see people of your own kind in the media industry in a positive way, it's really enlightening and supportive and can make you realise that, you know, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve too. It's probably helped a lot of non-disabled people to see that 
up to a certain degree. However, there's also been a massive backlash, especially when it comes to benefits and people's attitudes, i.e. lots of of disabled sportsmen and women have been told and asked, why are you on benefits? You know, you, you you can wheelchair a marathon. Why should you be on benefits? And there wasn't a big backlash to disabled Paralympians since we've had it here in the UK. So it's a real conundrum, really. Wow, that just seems so weird to me, um, why that would happen. I'm a little bit biased anyway, because I I grew up in Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire, which is the home of Stoke Mandeville. So um, I grew up with disabled sport on the doorstep pretty much most of my life. So for me, seeing disabled people around was just natural and a normal thing to happen, where instead of other people... You know, to see disabled people is just an unusual thing for them to see. But I was in the Red Cross for a few years, so I was actually asked to be a... When I say a runner, I don't mean a runner at... at, the, at I know the, what you mean. So, <laughs> even, even if I was a runner, I'd be on my back within two seconds, I think. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So I was uh, there to steward different teams around and things, and I got to know quite a lot of the Paralympians of the day. And um, I was actually encouraged to take part in some of the the para sports. I actually took part in um, wheelchair basketball and didn't realise how difficult that is. I've also recently been asked if I want to take part in sled hockey, uh, you know, the uh, on the ice. Yeah, I'm contemplating having a go at that. Go for it. So, but you, you know, you hit the nail on the head just now when you when when you first started talking about Stoke Mandeville, because you were around disabled people on a daily, weekly basis. It became the norm to you. It was nothing different. You appreciated that they were human beings with different abilities, and I think that's it. I think that really sums that up. So, once disabled people have more equal rights and can get jobs more easily and and our people's work colleagues in all sorts of areas that's when it starts to change and we can see that by history again you just need to look at the black movement the gay movement and the disabled movement to see how far we've come in a relatively short space of time not for those who suffered obviously and who still do mm-hmm. but in terms of human consciousness it was quite quick so i'm hoping before i die <laughs> people's attitudes will be a lot more positive, compassionate and empathic as well because disabled people, they didn't choose to be disabled. This is something that they were either born with or acquired. And it, and I have to say, it's really mm. tough being a disabled person, you know, with pain and and the, the issues that your disability brings. But actually, when I think about it... So I was born with brittle bone disease. I've had about 60 to 70 operations and about 100 fractures, give or take. Wow. But I've never had a problem with being disabled. It's never been an issue for me. But the thing I do find more disabling than, than what I have is is the lack of built environment, as in steps and et cetera, et cetera, and people's attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it's not easy being disabled. It would be made so much better if people were more compassionate, understanding, especially because 
it will likely happen to them at some point with age because as we know even in this modern day of technology and advancement as you get older things start becoming more physically complicated and you're gonna want when that happens to you to be treated with compassion empathy and for the system to be working appropriately yeah that's for sure as you were saying i mean with with the media i mean i've heard stories from um athletes and and things like that the the questions that they get asked by the media yeah. are so stupid an example of that is when somebody was asked it was somebody that had lost their legs in afghanistan and mm-hmm. the question was have you always wanted to be a paralympian is it stupid it's really weird it's really embarrassing and it's a little bit scary that people just don't think mm-hmm. you know that this doesn't seem to be a brain to mouth filter that's unfortunately the the life we lead at the moment but why do you think people say these things to disabled people in a way that they wouldn't say those types of things to other minority uh, members i just get this feeling that because somebody is disabled they under they think that They've also got um, learning difficulties and that kind of thing as well. Um, I'm I'm not putting anybody down who's got learning issues because I know quite a lot of people that have and they're some of the most brilliant people I know. But um, they just assume that communication may be an issue so they think they have to be that way towards people once again if they thought these things through did a bit of research into the person that you're talking to you wouldn't have this issue no and i guess if we were more integrated into society and seen on a more daily basis Mm -hmm. like anything once people realize that it's not like that for everybody then maybe it will get easier Now, to finish off the content that we had with Julie Fernandez, I thought I'd play this bit in. Um, I mentioned to her about Dan White's Department of Ability comic, which was due for release any time soon. And um, she was talking about the creativity of people with disabilities. Disability is really funny when you can get over your embarrassment of it, Um, especially when disabled people are writing the jokes. Some years ago, I wrote with some friends of mine a comedy sketch show called The Fanspastic Four, and it's about four differently disabled superheroes who come together and it's just really funny it kind of puts a spin on spin on it and we we did it in such a way that a bit like Walt Disney movies where you can take the kids and the kids are laughing at one bit and then there's stuff that the adults are laughing on yeah um and it's we've done it in the same way so it's for a disabled audience and a non-disabled audience I think there's so much opportunity out there there certainly is I mean more so now in the children's television I think it's being embraced more than than not because kids can be very open-minded and and they're also not afraid to say what they think but it's good to be curious I never ever have a problem and I know loads of disabled people that don't have a problem when children come up and start asking questions that's the way that they learn Mm -hmm. and you know most disabled people are happy to chat and explain it's more the adults and parents that then clam up and feel really awkward and shoo their children away and you know you mustn't ask but actually 
how will they learn? And it's like Kerry, who was a children's presenter on CBBS, and she had a shortened arm or stump, no hand. Mm. And do you know what? There was there were people who parents who wrote in and said, "Oh, you're frightening our children. She, you shouldn't be on TV." But the vast majority of parents came to understand really quickly that they ask mummy and daddy, "Why hasn't she got no hand?" You explain it, and they go, "Oh, okay." And then they move on. Yeah. And it's not an issue. Or it might be, oh, how do they cut up their food? Or how do they? Or how do they? And so, you know, just ask those questions. It's like the what I call the, the do-gooders who say, oh, somebody's going to be offended by this or somebody's going to be yeah. offended by that. They are not from that part of the community. So yeah. how do they know that person is going to be offended? Have you actually asked that person whether they're going to be offended? Exactly. So it's just silly. I mean, I've, I've always been brought up in a way that people are people. That's the way I see life. People are people. doesn't matter who you are. You're either a good person or, or a not good person. Exactly. And, and uh, in both camps, you get people from all walks of life. It's as simple as that. Um, I, as I say, I'm, I'm good with everyone until they cross me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange situation, and I'm hoping that putting positive words out there through the podcast and through other organisations that I'm involved with, and, and I know you're involved with lots of different uh, organisations and things, and I, I know you do a, a lot of public speaking and things about disability and disability rights and things, and, and the stuff that you say needs an outlet for people to hear. Do you know what? I, I absolutely agree and, and really appreciate that you're doing what you're doing because the more of us that work together, the better it will become. If, if you haven't already dealt with Dan White I'd, I'd love to put you in touch with him um, be wonderful thank you uh, getting you both on the show together would be just mind blowing to be honest I don't see why we couldn't <laughs> yeah we'll, go, we'll have to try and arrange that so once again thanks to Julie Fernandez for taking time out to talk with us she is an amazing person and like I mentioned at the end of the recording we do need to get her back on the show with Dan White would be awesome absolutely awesome now we're going to take another short break and as promised I'm going to be talking about an event that TGP Nominal took part in recently So you join me in a place called Corby in Northamptonshire, uh, at a place called Adrenaline Alley, where we are covering an event called the WCMX Jam. Now, you might not be aware of what that is. It's a, an up-and-coming sport in the UK. It's, it's huge in Europe and it's huge in America. Um, but in the UK, it's virtually unknown. Now, WCMX actually stands for Wheelchair Motocross. Uh, well, as you can probably guess, it's a cross between skateboarding and BMX. But these riders are not on bikes or on skateboards. These guys are in wheelchairs. 
and it's quite an amazing sport. So we're here to uh, cover an event that is kind of like a promotional event for the sport uh, and bring awareness to this amazing sport. It's a very dangerous sport by all accounts and uh, it's been organised um, partly by Adrenaline Alexander himself and also by uh, a UK rider called Lily Rice and her dad Mark. So we're going to be carrying on with the day and we're going to see what we can find and uh, people to interview and uh, we'll come right back to you. Now I am talking with Mandy Young who is the founder of Adrenaline Alley. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. So Adrenaline Alley, um, how did it all come about? It came about as a result of my son being um, undiagnosed with a brain tumour for a lot of years and he's very institutionalised in hospitals most of his life and when he came out of the hospital and had all his therapies he started skateboarding and unfortunately became a target for some local youths who beat him up one night. As a result of that John wouldn't go out of the house and obviously was really frightened um, and I said look we've been through one hell we're not going through another so I said right come on let's get all these boys together let's see where you need to do or to go to have a safe place where you can do your sports without feeling intimidated or bullied or or beaten up um, in your own community I'm a Corby girl born and bred and I didn't even know this stuff was going on so that's how it all started and since then you know, we've become the world's biggest. You say the world's biggest. Now, tell us a little bit more about what that actually means, what the size of the place. Yeah, we have three buildings um, and over 120,000 feet of ramps, which makes us the world's biggest to have everything in one place. We have indoor and outdoor, so we have complementary parks within the facility that are for beginner to elite level, basically, which, you know, makes us pretty unique pretty neat and we also do a lot of other stuff it's not just about the riding you know I always say to people this isn't just a skate park we do a lot of um, outreach work for community groups school groups disability groups we've got the new VR experience that we're using to help people get engaged in the sport so they can get a, a feel for what the sports are about if they've never done it before or if they want to try to get into the sport how does it feel what does it look like you know how am I going to feel so we developed that for that purpose and then we've also got um, like a phot photography studio we have an education room so we do a lot of outreach work it's, it's you know we are a charity and we have a social mission um, and we make sure that that social mission lies at the heart of the charity wow so WCMX it's, it's um, a fairly new sport um so it was probably pretty important for you to embrace that into what you do here. Absolutely. Um, my son John, having experienced a time in a wheelchair, he said to me, Mum, whatever you do, whatever happens, you've got to make sure that there's no barriers to participation here and that wheelchair-bound people can actually you know come in here and be part of everyday life and that's what we're trying to do you know we, we've adapted the park as we've built it for disability users but of course it's difficult because there are there are so many different levels whether you're in a wheelchair or not mm -hmm. that is the case whether on a board or a bike so it's understanding really from today's event you know what the demand is and understanding what these kids want so you know do they want more sessions in the future can we do that you know, can we get this organ run it up and running as a UK organisation that can help these kids to develop in the future with the right chairs, 
um, we've got Roma Sport who's developing the chairs for this sport and I, I just think you know there's so much potential so today oh, yeah. is the start of hopefully really good things to come so this could be the spark of WCMX as a, an entity in this country absolutely why not why not well Mandy it's been a pleasure talking with you you're welcome I'm talking with Lily Rice now that name you might not know but you will do because she is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to this sport how are you doing Lily I'm really good thank you now Lily you've been doing this sport for a, a few years now haven't you yeah I've been riding WCMX for two years now and it'd be fair to say that you've accomplished quite a lot in that time definitely I've gone over to all over the world I came second in the world championships and I've also landed a backflip on my wheelchair yeah I've seen the video of that that was really amazing to see now you are also a medalist in, in some of the championships, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm a gold medalist in the German European Open and I'm a silver medalist in the World Championship. That's in two years, that's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So this event was your idea, yeah? Yeah, so um, this event has been run by me and my dad. We've um, been organising it for quite a while. We knew a few people around the UK. We got my best friend Daisy emceeing the event as well. Cool. So, what was it like to actually have, have this event up and running? Um, it's crazy. Like, we never really thought there'd be this many people come here. We only thought it'd be like ten, and there's like almost thirty people here. So that's really cool. And it's really good that you've got some really young kids here that are, you know, they're going to be the next generation as well. Well, there's one kid as young as four, and there's quite a few around six, seven, eight kind of age range, and then the oldest person here is 44, so it's quite a good range. And um, what do you think you're going to be getting up to today? Are you going to be doing any tricks yourself? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do a bit of a demo and ride with everyone else. I've been encouraging the kids earlier on, and everyone else is going to have fun, ride just do whatever they're comfortable with really that's brilliant so because of your accomplishments we'd like to make you an honorary crew member of the podcast and what we do with our honorary crew members is uh, we present them with one of our mission patches and uh, well, what we'll do with that is we'll put you up on our honorary crew member wall thank you very much it's been an absolute honour to, to talk to you today you too and um, hope you have a great day thank you thanks I'm talking with Adele Allen. How are you doing? Not bad, thank you. Uh, a little bit sore from my uh, bales, but yeah. Yeah, you yeah. had a bit of a tumble, didn't you? Uh, it was a bit... Um, I thought I'd go all out on um, yeah, the stairs and yeah, it just didn't really work out. And also I tried to drop in and yeah. got my foot caught. But yeah, I thought, you know, if this is the place to do it, you know, if you're going to do it, do it in front of an audience and then everyone goes, hey, you know, so make the best of a bad situation. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been riding for? I started about, I'd say it was probably about 18 months ago. Difficult to kind of really pinpoint. I know I started like practicing doing wheelies and stuff. And then as I saw like people like Wheels, who's probably the most recognized like wheelchair rider in the world now, surely. Yeah. And really, I think it was last year he was uh, introduced into the International Hall of Gymnastics and, and Acrobatics fame. So quite an honor. So that's just goes to show. And I think it was yesterday he landed his first 360 backflip. So that's a backflip and a 360 rotation at the same time. And that was over the mega ramp, which is one of those 
huge 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 <laughs> things when he ta- tours with Nitro Circus so like yeah I think like I said seeing people like that and like, you know it, it's difficult to describe but like some people like you might be like you know that you want to do like say wheelchair racing things like that but sometimes if you have like a desire towards something that's a bit more like extreme or whatever you it's it was the first time I'd seen somebody doing something different and actually viewing the chair the same way as I had as something as something that aided their life and gave them potential rather than something that hindered and held you back um, you know and I think there's probably quite a few people who've been in that situation where they've had to wait for a wheelchair and they may have had to have gone through a period of time where they were housebound or with very limited like ability to go anywhere really and it you know that really does affect your mental health I know a lot of people say you know even if you just go out in your chair just like 10 minutes in the day especially in the winter it just can make such a difference to getting a bit of fresh air around you oh yeah uh, I know on days like if my like if my health's not doing so good and whatever and I can't go out I feel so low uh, and it is good to be able to I think like activity I'm always going to be a, like a big advocate I know how much it's helped me in my life and getting finding skating again certainly a, like a mental health perspective really helped me from some very dark times and gave me like a reason to want to do stuff again and that that fun and that sort of childlike sort of I, I joke about it I was 31 last year and I used to have my hashtag it was 31 or 13 you know I can't decide which you know and I felt like I was going straight back to being 13 again and you know getting on my skateboard for the first time discovering all this fun stuff meeting other people doing the same thing and just like I always want to do this forever and I never want to be the day where I can't get on my skateboard and do it do you know what I mean and it's just the same thing but it's in a wheelchair now so yeah I was going to say uh, is that a similar kind of vibe that you get from from when you were on the, uh, your board to being on wheels yeah it's an interesting one um, it's like I used to mountain bike a little bit as well but like something I've never done is like BMX so I haven't got a background in that whereas I know a lot of people like sometimes if they've got brothers or sisters that are older that, that maybe the ride another discipline that they might take their riding influence or style from there but because wheelchair skate is such its own individual thing like a lot of the tricks that you see like, um, like are really just specific to the wheelchair um, the biggest like hinder I think is to like to most wheelchair riders is getting the crane Maintaining um, your power and speed through the course, where your arms are obviously a lot weaker at pushing, you know, than someone who's, you know, on a BMX and, or a, and they're just pushing along. Um, it does use a lot more energy, so I find like you tend to get a lot more tired and a lot more frustrated practicing because you spend a lot of time puffing and puffing before you've even done anything. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, but you know, I think it's when, it, when you finally get there and you're at the top and you do it and it actually all works out, like all that, like you know, that doubt or anything just flies away and you're just like you knew it was worth it because you had that feeling. Um, and if you didn't land it, when you think, well, I hope I filmed that and got a good bail video instead. <laughs> so, you know, well, try and yeah. look at it both ways. But... <laughs> Got to look at the positives of everything, Definitely. haven't you? Definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you are actually proof of the fact that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can have a go at this sport. Yeah, um, I never thought I'd be sitting here, like, as a perspective, as an elder, talking to, like, what I call the youngsters. But, yeah, um, like, it's, it's nice to see, like, I know, I, know I go around and there's people, like, of that my kind of what's the word generation who are still skateboarding but it's very much like a minority and then you apply that to like wheelchair skating and it's even smaller again so it is like actually saying to people there's a sport out there and also the thing in accessing the sport you don't need to have fancy fancy wheelchair if you've got a chair you know you can go and try you might not be able to do all the same things but you can get a feel for it yeah and i think a lot of people are worried that they, if they don't have a skate chair so it's got, it hasn't got the suspension and it hasn't been reinforced and built and it hasn't got you know fancy wheels or 
fantastic that it won't do like I get a lot of comments because mine is just like a make do very old fashioned wheelchair you know but it does the job until I you know I can get what I want which is hopefully one day a nice snazzy chair to ride around in but until that day you know this is this is Max the uh, the Lomax Lomax being the company but yeah he serves me well. He serves me well. <laughs> now, you um, have a blog and things like that, don't you? Yeah, um, it's been a bit slow in its creations, but um, I originally was going to do a written blog, and then I found, like, um, just, like, having so little time in the day, and it just... It just didn't seem to work out trying to actually sit down and write. But then I thought, what am I actually quite good at? And like, surprise, surprise, that's talking. So like, I thought, you know, instead of doing it in a blog style, I'll just go for a vlog. I think the weirdest thing is getting used to talking to a camera, especially if you're going places and you're like, as I was going down the street, vlogging one morning, I think I was live on Instagram and I go, I'm gonna have to go for a minute because there's a lady walking the other way and she thinks I'm really, really weird, you know? <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I do enjoy the, the vlogging. Um, it's, it's good fun getting into it, but the thing I'm finding at the moment is just getting editing and editing time takes so long and you know, before you know it you've like the same clip like 20 times in a row and you still can't get it trimmed how you want or you know quite in line with the music so it is a difficult one and like you know I'm hoping I've got some ideas and aspirations with the channel um, you know but also I want to kind of shape it around what what the people want as well and I don't want it to just feel like it's a channel that people you know if you're not a wheelchair user that you can't you know enjoy watching the channel because yeah. it is about my life hence that I decided to change it to Adele's really crazy life because it is kind of like just the things that we do daily adventures so like maybe taking my like my uh, whipping greyhound for a walk so you know how I do that and stuff like that but also I've been in the chair so like I think it's been about five six years now before that I was actually doing my nursing training so I've got a completely different perspective on life to how it was prior when you think you're the person going to be doing the caring for the rest of your life and you end up being the person being there <laughs> it's kind of a role reversal and it is I think it's something that every nurse and doctor should get to experience to be quite honest yeah it's it changes a lot but I know that's sort of we're digressing slightly here but yeah it's it's, it's very much like it's just sort of give a bit of people often ask me questions and like I've always been candid in my answers because I believe that educating people and telling people that and oh wow they often say I didn't know that things like just the cost of equipment most people aren't aware yeah. like just even an everyday wheelchair you know could be two and a half three thousand pounds you know unless you've got it used and that's a lot of money for a growing child if you don't qualify and you know all these wheelchair services not every wheelchair service to every county is equal so what you can get in one county is not the same as another my county happens to be really good and we do have like quite good support and they have a voucher sort of system so if someone like wanted to go for an assessment and they deemed that they couldn't have um, a rigid chair they were given a voucher for the equivalent of what the NHS think they're allowed normally yeah. and you can put that towards uh, another chair so things like that and just actually looking at the needs of like you know long-term wheelchair users um, and identifying the difference between someone who's going to be in a chair active for the rest of their life and someone who maybe just needs it to go down to the shops and back you know so it's a different thing it's almost like going and shopping for shoes but yeah. like 10 times harder <laughs> and That's more it. expensive yeah definitely <laughs> you know just think about it as the difference between the skate chairs the difference between I don't know your Adidas or your Nike Sport and then like you know your foldy everyday chairs kind of like your Golder or your Sazinger yeah. you know or, or, or high you know Reeboks or something hideously uncool <laughs> but they're all coming back now so you know yeah, retro style yes definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs>
Well, Adele, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for letting me uh, natter for a bit. And, that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah thank you. And uh, yeah, if anyone wants fancy seeing any of my videos, like I said, not too much on the channel at the moment, but I've got some stuff coming. It is just Adele's wheelie. That's like the wheels, wheelie, crazy life. There are underscores between each sort of word if you're doing the Instagram version. But I think if you type it in, you'll probably get me. But, but yeah, it's been a fantastic day and I think we've had a really good time here. And, I think everyone's just around here applauding to say, yeah, actually, you know, it's been a really good day and let hope this be the first of many events like it, you know, so. Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank no. you. And uh, we'll hope to get to you again soon as well. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Take it easy. Thank you. I'm talking with Mark Rice. How are you doing? Hey, good morning and thanks for coming. Now, Mark, you're one of the uh, creators of this event. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've um, obviously my daughter Lily uh, rides WCMX, and um, you know she was on her own really. I mean, there were one or two people dotted around the country that that uh, we knew were riding their wheelchairs at skate parks, and we really thought, you know, it's high time that we did something fairly central, and we could get everybody from all corners of the UK just to come and have a bit of fun. And you couldn't ask for a better venue, could you? Oh, no, Adrenaline Alley is fantastic. I mean, it is world-class facility, without a shadow of a doubt. It's um, uh, the largest indoor skate park in Europe, and I believe it may be the largest in the world. So um, it's, uh, you know, it's not fully accessible, but um, the committee here um, really welcomed us when we came to them with the idea, and it's really kind of uh, made them think how they can adapt their park to people that want to come and use their wheelchairs here. So you spend a lot of time on the road with, with Lily when she's, she's travelling for events and things. Um, what does that feel like for you, for her to be involved in such big things? Uh, it's been, I don't know, it's just, um, I mean, it's been absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard work. Um, because there's a lot of long driving and distances and things to cover um, but you know any parent enjoys watching their child take part, part in sport and you know really proud of her so this is the first of these events uh, where do you see this going okay so <laughs> what we'd like to do now is try and get bit more routine and regular meetups so that's something that we just put into the riders uh, now actually and if we can get the interest and maintain that interest then it would be nice next year to look at getting more funding so sponsorship to maybe hire the building for the day which takes which could make it much nicer without you know rushing to do things like we've done today and you know there's some some extensions taking place uh, to adrenaline alley and if uh, and they're going to be some slightly accessible areas in there as well and um, you know five years from now let's hold the world championships here isn't it oh wouldn't that be fantastic yeah yeah that's the plan and I, I think the desire is there to have it um, it's been held in America the last few times it's in Germany in September this year and uh, the German uh, well our German friends and riders they'd love to see it kind of in the UK so it's not so far for them to travel you know yeah yeah, yeah. So, also the next step is to get the sport recognised as a, a proper para sport. We were fortunate, uh, we got invited to meet the uh, British Paralympic Association. Um, so we went down and we did a presentation to them. Um, and uh, they've just launched a new website called the para sport website um, and WCMX is featuring on that now. We, we're going to do some work with them, some video work. 
and really just try and get the sport out there. So the, pa the Parasport website, that's about grassroots sports. Well, it's really easy to do. You just go in, put your postcode in, and it'll throw up all the sports that you can do in the area. So uh, any, any disability sport, you can go in, put in your postcode, and you see it there, and WCMX will be on there. So hopefully we'll have other skate parks kind of uh, sign up to that uh, Parasport website as well. Awesome. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, thanks for letting us tag along today. There we are. That's brilliant. Thanks very much for coming. Awesome. So we're coming to the end of uh, the WCMX Jam at the Adrenaline Alley in uh, Northamptonshire. And uh, it's been a blast and quite emotional as well. Uh, if you see some of the riders that have actually been here, which you will be able to see by the photographs that we've taken, uh, it has been really emotional. I mean, some of these kids from the age of four upwards uh, getting involved in this event. And uh, obviously I'd like to say thanks to Mandy Young, Mark Rice, Lily Rice for letting us tag along. And uh, as uh, somebody else, I'd like to say thank you for getting me here today and also being my uh, resident photographer for today and that's an old friend of mine when I say old I'm not saying that as old as I've known him a long time ancient <laughs> for somebody who didn't want to come on the podcast he's doing quite well there um, <laughs> and that's Andy Mercer and uh, we've got some great photographs and we'll get them up on the show notes um, as soon as the episode goes out so I bid you farewell from Corby in Northamptonshire and speak to you again back in the studio so now you know a little bit more about WCMX and Adrenaline Alley and everything that went along with the WCMX Jam which was such an amazing event I recommend everyone to check out this sport it is just amazing and I will put some links to WCMX and um, some videos that are available on YouTube in the show notes. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, Spanhead Productions. .weebly.com That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com So we've come to the end of another packed episode of TGP Nominal Extra. Extra! The next episode that goes out of TGP Nominal will be another TGP Nominal Extra, which will be our April Guide to the Skies with Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy. And then following on from that, very closely behind, in fact, will be our annual Yuri's Night special, where we hopefully will be having some special guests on there for that. So watch this space. So that leaves me to say thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. And I'll speak to you all again real soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. 
If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event. Thank you.